Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Season 7 Trashy Divorces. Hi, everyone. My name is Stacy. I'm Alicia. Thanks for joining us today in our continuing saga of listener-suggested divorces. You have the best ideas, listeners. Trash pandas, y'all rock. This week, we're going with Joan Jett, bad reputation, mm-hmm. because, whoa, baby. You uh, you have a golden age of Hollywood, but you this one you've been talking about since we started. Since we started. This, I had the Trashy Divorce this week. Trashy Divorces All-Star, four up, four down, a story truly made for Trashy Divorces. This is the most famous person that you have never heard of. It is your grandmother's Trashy Scandal, <laughs> Gloria Graham. Quite a story. Trash and tragedy all tied up in one. Stacy, who are you bringing us this week? Uh, I have a much requested listener request. Uh, the Reese Witherspoon and Ryan Felipe marriage and divorce from the from 99 to 07, I guess. Sweet and sultry. I mean, yeah. All right. Hey, let's talk about Patreon before we jump into these two. Oh my gosh, we have some Magic Mirror shout outs to give. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge mm-hmm. thanks for our new Team Trash Candy supporters this week. Marie Noel, Diane E, Jessica A, Stacy J. Susan, Jeanette, Aisha B, Dana N. Y'all rock. We had some new super supporters this week as well. Yep, thank you to Alex A and Soccer Ma 3. Y'all, we're an indie podcast. We are so grateful. To all of you for your continued support, whether it's being on Team Trash Candy on Patreon or just telling a friend about us like, hey, I found this podcast I really like. You should check it out. Thank you, everybody. You're the very best. What did happen on Patreon this week? We had a follow up to Rudy Giuliani and his further adventures. Oh, yikes. Yeah, it's never good. Uh, You had some Wonder Woman stuff? I did. Part one of a Wonder Woman spectacular. Part two is going to drop after this episode. Oh, we did a trash astrology on birth order. Right. And our regular Tuesday tidbits as well. As always. Yep. All right. Let's talk about some bad reputations. This one gets trashy. You ready to go, go, go? Let's go, go, go. Okay, Alicia, you have what I have on good authority from you as the one of the trashiest stories you've ever told. I just don't know who this is. In a divorce that no one's ever heard of. <laughs> this week, friends. <laughs> Terrific. You might know. Oh, no, it's so good. <laughs> you might be saying, who is Gloria Graham, Alicia? I've never heard of this person. Let me skip ahead to Stacy's story. Do not skip this story. <laughs> This tale is made for a Trashy Divorces episode, I promise y'all. This one is going out to my girl Blossom, who requested this at the beginning of last year because it is so custom made for a Trashy Divorces episode. Not only is this going out to Blossom, it's going out to my trashy grandmother, your trashy grandmas and aunts, hell, maybe you got trashy uncles too, (laughs) I do not know. But this story is the trash candy of the last generation. Gloria Graham was the it girl of film noir in the 40s and 50s. She goes from ingenue to temptress in like no time flat. And she goes big time. Gloria Graham has worked with all the legends in acting. Humphrey Bogart, Jimmy Stewart, Dorothy Lamour, Robert Mitchum. In fact, Gloria Graham 
is Robert Mitchum's sister-in-law as well, but we'll hmm. get to that. Gloria works with all the legendary directors too. Kazan, Vincent Minnelli, Nicholas Ray, who she'll go on to marry. She also, and this is almost a bigger deal, works with Fritz Lang more than one time. Fritz Lang does not work with actors more than once, rarely ever. Glory Graham is in that caliber. Okay. Hold on, I'm not done. Gloria wins two Oscars. She's won two Academy Awards. Gloria is also most assuredly a trashy divorces all-star. Four marriages, four divorces. And because of all the scandal and trashy and tragic around her tale, she is largely forgotten in the Hollywood story because of her bad reputation. Not today. Today we are going to remember Gloria Graham. We love a bad reputation over here. Get out your bingo cards right now, because wowza. Somebody's yelling bingo halfway through. This has everything. Gloria Graham Hallward is born November 28th, 1923 in Los Angeles. She's a Sagittarius baby. She's the second of two kids. Gloria has an older sister named Joy, Minnie Spiderweb. Joy will go on to marry John Mitchum, who is the younger brother of Robert Mitchum. Okay. Family doing fine in L.A. Things are going fine in the 1920s. Dad is an architect and an author. Mom is a former British actress and acting and elocution teacher. Okay, but here's a fun spiderweb for you. Gloria's grandfather is a dude named Reginald Hallward, who is a big-time British artist in, like, stained glass and light works. But Reginald, man of many talents, will at some point open a printing press and was BFFs with Oscar Wilde. And it's said that Reginald gives the idea for the novel The Picture of Dorian Gray to Oscar Wilde. Well, that's quite a family story. And... Reginald Hallward is also the model for the character Basil Hallward in the novel. Because it cracks me up. Oscar Wilde, it always surprises me where he turns up in trashy divorces. He actually is in my story, too. No. Seriously? The importance of being earnest is... (gasps) Fantastic. uh, Okay, well, the last time we caught up with old Oscar was in the Natalie Clifford Barney story from Patreon, April 23rd. Of this year from our April in Paris series. So our future Paris Amazon lesbian galore as a child will sit on Oscar Wilde's lap. Right, right. I added that whole story. It is free and available at bit.ly slash trash candy quarantine. April 23rd. It's called Look at Miss Ohio. If you want some dish on that. It's not important to the story. Okay. I just like spiderwebs. Okay, back to Gloria. So things are pretty good with the family unit until 1929 and the Depression hits. And within a year, dad is out. Goodbye, dad. Hello, Amago. Like so many kids, Gloria thinks it's her fault that dad has left and it plants the seed of what Gloria is going to work out for the rest of her life. 
she's talented in acting, but she also has a real penchant for self-destruction as well as a broken picker. Gloria, as a girl, dreams of life on the stage and screen. She's super interested in acting at an early age. She will drop out of Hollywood High School to pursue her acting dream, which actually works. She gets her first show in 1944. She's 16. She's seen by a scout from MGM and gets a contract like every other young, attractive girl in the mid-40s. But MGM doesn't really know how to fit her into a type. So, like, she makes her film debut, but by 1946, Gloria Graham gets loaned out to RKO for a little film that she's just perfect for. Gloria Graham gets cast as the character Violet Bick in the holiday classic, It's a Wonderful Life. Hmm. She's the town girl gone wrong who ends up as the sex worker because of his not influence on a classic role. Okay. Breakout. She's on the cover of life. She's making an impact. Her career is doing the things and everything is great. And MGM is like, we don't know what to do with her. RKO says, we'll buy her contract. This is like 1947. Gloria is in this film called Crossfire And Gloria is also going to take home a Best Supporting Actress Oscar for that film. Three years after her screen debut. Like, whoa. She's got a huge career ahead of her. Mm -hmm. She's 19. She's won an Academy Award. Why don't you know who she is? Yeah, except. Well, let me go ahead and self-sabotage by pulling out my broken picker. Because husband number one is a contract player from 20th Century Fox. His name is Stanley Clements. He drinks, he gambles, he's allegedly abusive, but that does not stop Gloria from marrying him in 1945. It also does not stop Gloria from playing around on Stanley. That's You definitely want like a hard-drinking abuser to go... Cheating on? Go cheating on. Yeah. That's going to go well. Well, like, she has a Best Supporting Actress Oscar, 1947. Like, things are going great, except she has a lousy husband. You sleep around, but everybody's kind of getting what they need. They break up. They get back together. And the marriage is most certainly on the outs, but is definitely precipitated by... Okay, so Gloria is starring in this film called A Woman's Secret, which is being directed by the not-legendary-yet director, Nicholas Ray, who will go on to direct Rebel Without a Cause. Like, he does a lot of good stuff. This is still late 40s. He hasn't done what he's going to do yet. And Nick Ray doesn't really like Gloria. He likes to sleep with her, but as a person, he wouldn't really ever date her. Hmm. This is a strong foundation for a good relationship. They're on the film. Everything's great. Fine and good. Till Gloria's pregnant. With Nicholas Ray's kid. But she's married to Stanley. Sure. Okay. Sure. Stanley and Gloria's divorce (laughs) occurs June the 2nd, 1948. It's papers are signed at 1.30 in the afternoon. At 6.30, that same night, June the 2nd, 1948... A four-month-along pregnant Gloria and Nicholas Ray are married. 
with Nick Ray knowing oh, in Las Vegas, Las oh Vegas wedding, uh, with Nick knowing full well in the whole time, this is a mistake. He's like, I have to marry her. Doesn't She's like pregnant, her. Yeah. But I do not even like her. Nick Ray will gamble his whole wedding night, but she's pregnant and that's what you do. So, yeah, I mean, obviously. Nick Ray is a little uh, resentful from the start, but let's spell out his character a little bit because Stanley's out. Again, legendary director, Rebel Without a Cause. (laughs) Nicholas Ray is also bisexual. So remember, he had an affair with a very young Natalie Wood. He also maybe has an affair with James Dean and Salminio, too. But we're going to talk about that on Trashy Tidbits this week. Okay. Nicholas Ray, here's what you're going to love, is an August 7th baby. Leo. Leo, man. And my birthday. I did not know I shared a birthday with Nicholas Ray. I also didn't know that. He's born in 1911. He's 12 years older than Gloria. And bisexual. So anticipating how much of a disaster this relationship is going to be. Let me assure you, dear listener and Stacy, it is going to be a disaster, but not for the reason you think it's going to be. Okay. This is marriage number two for Nick Ray. He was married in 1936 to a journalist named Gene Evans. They were married four years done by 1940 divorce is done. But the result of that marriage is a son. Anthony. Tony. Okay. So Gloria and Nick, Las Vegas, June wedding, 1948. Five months later, Gloria gives birth to a son. And Gloria's niece will say, Nick Ray was an ass. He Mm -hmm. was into drugs and alcohol, and he was ruthless, and he was evil, and he took it out on Gloria. And his kid, too. Great. Okay. So... Oh, God. 1951, Nick Ray is directing a movie with Humphrey Bogart and Gloria starring. It's called In a Lonely Place. And Tony, the 13 or 14-year-old son of Nick Ray from the first marriage, comes to visit from military school. And Gloria's 28. Oh, no. And he's 13 or 14. Oh, no. And it's super bad. Oh, no. Are you saying? Yeah. Oh, no. Their eyes beat. They're in the sack. Only to be discovered by Daddy Nick Ray, who unexpectedly comes home and finds this entirely wrong situation Uh happening in the home. Oh, my God. So, so bad. Oh, my God. That's not even the trashiest part. Just wait for it. The marriage is done. It's over. Uh, Like, needless to say. Oh, my God. I mean, today she would go to prison. That's a crime. Okay. It is a crime. Okay. But Nick Ray is directing In a Lonely Place with Humphrey Bogart, for God's sakes. Right? And Gloria's in the movie. So they're still on the set every day making a movie, which is why they keep everything really quiet. Divorce papers are filed. But everybody's keeping everything kind of quiet. And this time is actually enormous professional success for Gloria. Personally, she's a train wreck. But professionally, she's working with the best people in the business. 
She's going to star in 10 film noirs and win them all. She's on fire. Sag girl. Yeah, it's just... Except she's not. Unfortunate that she's sexually assaulting children, but okay. Okay, so she's in sudden fear. She's at this time. She's also in The Greatest Show on Earth. She gets a role in a film called The Bad and the Beautiful. (laughs) I feel like all of these are very thematically appropriate for her. Okay, Gloria's totally doing it with Jack Palance. Mm. But the other star of the movie is Joan Crawford. And Joan Crawford wants to do it with Jack Palance, too. So it gets a little messy on that scene. But Gloria is working with the best actors in the business, with the best directors, and the, like, she's on fire. Sagittarius girl. Because they're kind of like Gemini in that way. They have a, a twinish aspect about them. Gloria is struggling with some serious self-doubt and trauma. She begins having plastic surgery in the 1940s. She has these lines on her lip. And I swear to promise they are something only she notices. She's an Oscar-winning actress. But she begins to have plastic surgery. And she'll also stuff her top lip with cotton to make it appear fuller. Which when actors have to kiss her, they come away. like mm-hmm. It's all very oh, awkward. with but- cotton mouth. How about that? Uh-huh. <laughs> Hedda Hopper says about her, Gloria is, quote, a shy little introvert who's so self-conscious it hurts, unquote. It's kind of sad, right? 1952's The Bad and the Beautiful will get Gloria another Oscar nomination. The most remarkable thing about this Oscar nod, it is the shortest time, big reveal, that the winner has ever been on film in the bad and the beautiful glory is on screen for a total of like nine minutes and a few seconds interesting that record will not be broken until the 1970s things are going great let's pull out our broken picker again gloria begins dating her next bad boyfriend so the relationship with the stepson did not continue that okay i don't know how to feel about the look you just gave me wait for it (laughs) gloria next bad boyfriend this guy his name is cy howard he's kind of a second-rate producer and director like all of her husbands have problems she has problems they all have problems but this one he's kind of self-centered gloria's niece will say like he liked all the attention on him all the time And if attention is somewhere else, there's just hell to pay. Gloria Graham is nominated for Best Supporting Actress, The Bad and the Beautiful. It's the 25th Academy Awards. This is March 19th, 1953. Second nomination. Edmund Gwynn presents the award. Ah, Gloria Graham. Gloria Graham will trip on the way up to the stage. Her acceptance speech is four words. Thank you very much. (laughs) She does not attend any of the, you won, let's get you in front of a camera and talk about the things. No press after. And the whole Hollywood system is a little taken aback. Like, this is her second Oscar. So they're like, ooh, was she drunk when she tripped on the way? Uh... She kind of did a deer in headlights thing. So think about Winona Ryder and that ceremony a few years ago 
that's turned into the meme of Winona like trying to figure something out. <laughs> it looked a lot like that. Let me tell you what happens before the ceremony. Cy Howard, bad boyfriend, is like, Gloria, you're not going to the Oscars. Oh, God. And she's like, dude, I'm nominated for an Oscar. I have to go to the Oscars. So they have a big fight. And Cy's like, all right, if you're going to go, you can't do your hair. You cannot put on makeup. Gloria Graham accepts her Oscar with no makeup and her hair not Not styled at all. No. Wow, that's a bad boyfriend. For a woman with as much beauty insecurity as Gloria, going without her hair or makeup, like, I would get the fuck off the stage, too. I'd be totally panicked. It's all bad. Well, I would... I mean, I would break up with Psy and do what I want to do. I Don't mean, let your mean boyfriend yeah, boss seriously. you around. You've just won an Academy Award. You have to go home to that garbage? No. No, you don't. For God's sakes, don't marry him. So she marries him. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> dum, 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 dum. 1954, they marry. Next year, they have a daughter. Gloria's working. She's doing great. But is going to micromanage her career and they battle, and they're press fodder. Like, there's this time where she shreds all of his clothes to the left, to the mm-hmm. left. Like, it's all bad. Oh, Gloria's also presented to Queen Elizabeth too, but Cy's not invited. Oh, no. So he's super mad about that, too. But she's a film noir star. Yeah. And then her career takes a turn, because Cy and all that micromanaging really wants her to be in Oklahoma. 1955. This is going to be the highest salary she ever makes in a film, $100,000. Hmm. Like two Oscars. You're the star of film noir Bad Girls. And then you take a role in Oklahoma, which is way more wholesome than her image. Her upper lip is also paralyzed from plastic surgery, and she cannot carry a tune in a bucket. Wow. So not a great fit. Not a great fit. Public does not want to see her in that kind of a role. Additionally, Gloria and Cy are fighting together on the set and fighting with everyone else on the set because she married her bad boyfriend. And she feels inadequate because she can't sing. So the crew of the movie will like rebel against her. And Gloria and Cy are creating this super hostile work environment. Gloria allegedly assaults. Two of her co-stars on separate occasions. Like, it's super bad. After Oklahoma, Gloria will pause on work for a little while. Take care of the two kids she has. Spend some time centering on her family. A little tougher getting work. It's a tough time. By 1957, Cy Howard, over and out. Okay, Hubby good. number three done. Yeah, that okay. seemed like a mistake from the from the beginning. So, three up. Three down. And one might think now is an excellent time to regroup, take stock, tie up some loose ends, get your shit together. How'd that go for her? You know, Gloria is probably just looking for somebody to be nice to her by this point. She'll find him again. Any guesses? Her ex-stepson. Yep. In 1958, a 35-year-old Gloria is going to take a little seaside vacay right after that November 1957 divorce from Cy. 
and invites a friend along. Tony Ray, hmm. her 18-year-old former stepson. At least he's legal now. Right? The affair's back on, but at least everybody now is legal. So trashy. Gloria and Tony carry on for two years. And will get married. Whoa. In May of 1960, in total secrecy, uh-huh. in a Tijuana wedding. Bingo. Nobody knows. It's super secret for like two years. Yeah, that's going to be a tough image thing to manage. No, super secret. Nobody knows. Two years until 1962. And then Gloria gets pregnant, which is a little difficult to conceal. Mm -hmm. Okay, remember trashy bad boyfriend Cy? He's a trashier ex-husband. And he's like, hey, wait a minute. You have custody of my eight-year-old daughter? And what in the hell is wrong with you? Oh. What kind of example are you setting? (sighs) Oh, my God. Well, this is where the scandal comes into play. Because as much as the Gloria Tony transgression has been rumored about Hollywood, it's never verified until Cy takes Gloria to court to sue for custody of that kid. Which, again, field day for the press. Gloria's declared an unfit mother. This will eventually lead her to have a nervous breakdown. She will be hospitalized. She will also receive electroshock therapy. It's bad. Mm-hmm. It's bad. Gloria will defend herself in this saying, quote, I married Nicholas Ray, the director. People yawned. Later on, I married his son, and from the press's reaction, you thought I was committing incest or robbing the cradle, unquote. It's weird. Tony and Gloria will have her longest lasting marriage. They stick together. Through this time, they have two kids together. 14 years after they get married, March 1974, Gloria is diagnosed with breast cancer. And she will change everything about her life. No drinking, no smoking. She'll receive radiation treatment. She'll delve into homeopathic cures. And she does go into remission. But by the time that she's done with her remission, she's also now single. Tony is out. Hmm. Divorce 1975. Tony's left the building. And Gloria's worked doing, like, TV stuff and small roles, but her legend is largely forgotten because she's a Hollywood outcast. She's a scandal. She's got a bad reputation. Gloria's going to head to London to do some theater roles, and this is where she will find her last lover, another younger guy. His name is Peter Turner. He's 20. She's 50-something. It's a May-December thing. Unlikely couple, for sure. And they're carrying on hot and heavy for a minute, but then Gloria just goes away. She ghosts them. There's no contact. Like, he's actually moved across the pond. Hmm. And, like, she's gone. She disappears for days. And he's like, what the hell is going on? I'm out of here. Peter gets no word for a year. Oh, my God. Until he gets a call that Gloria has collapsed and has been rushed to hospital. Hmm. Because a year ago, when Gloria ghosted Peter... She had been re-diagnosed with breast cancer uh, and just took herself out of his picture. So she continued working at that time. She refused treatment, just 
decided like if I keep working and ignore it, it'll go away. It did not. Gloria, when she's rushed to hospital, will refuse surgery. And this is when Peter gets the call. Gloria will go to Peter's parents' home for six days in Liverpool, just essentially to die. And Peter calls Gloria's kids. Gloria does not want Peter to call her kids, but Peter is like, I'm calling your kids. Yeah. Gloria's kids get her back to New York City, where Gloria will die at the age of 57 in 1981, just a few hours after arriving at St. Vincent's Hospital. Jeez. Super sad. Peter Turner, young lover, will write a book about her. And this part of her story was made into a film in 2017, starring the utterly delightful Annette Benning as Gloria Graham and Jamie Bell as Peter. The film is called Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool. (laughs) That's a great title, actually. It's got a great trailer. I have it Mm -hmm. in my queue. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. So Peter Turner is now in his 60s. And he says he has no regrets. Quote, it was the most wonderful relationship. It changed my life enormously and resonates with me even now. Regarding Gloria, Peter will go on to say, quote, I think the scandal affected her big time, and I don't think it's anything she ever got over. But she was brave, courageous, and continued trying to work as an actress. The idea of love meant a lot to her. She wrote me a lovely letter that said, quote, In this life, when we die, it's only loving that's important, unquote. I can imagine she never got over that scandal. No, no she... You've never heard of Gloria Graham. She's a two-time yeah, Oscar so. winner. She's the like one of the most legendary film noir actresses in the genre. And she's largely undiscussed because of her bad reputation. Hmm. Annette Benning says about Gloria, quote, Gloria is different from other stars of that era. She doesn't live on in people's minds. There are so many forgotten stories. Gloria represents that for me. Same here, Annette. Same here. Hmm. Anyway, taking all the trash cans into account on this one, I'm simply crowning Gloria Graham a Trashy Divorces All-Star. Four up, four down, and a story so scandalous that she is largely forgotten, except in the hearts and minds of our trashy grandmothers, (laughs) and now on to a Trashy Divorces future generation. It's trash and tragedy. That is trash and tragedy. Well, that was custom made for trashy divorces. We have such a gauzy image of like people in the past lived such upright life. No, they did not. No, they didn't. Gloria Graham is so scandalous. You've never heard of her. That's how largely she's forgotten. Yep. All right. I hope y'all won bingo on that between <laughs> Tijuana wedding. Amago, Bad Boyfriends, Broken Pickers. That story had everything. It kind of had everything. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Mm-hmm. If only Gloria Graham had better help. You are not kidding. Back in a minute. I would like to, before we dive into my story, issue a big apology to a certain Ryan Philippi, whose name I've been pronouncing wrong my entire adult life since the 1990s when I first 
developed a real affection for him on the screen. I've said his name wrong, as I do throughout the story that you're about to hear, and I, I feel terrible about it. But in the interest of getting our podcast out on time, please accept my humblest, <laughs> humblest apologies. Boy, is my face red. I was today years old when I learned that Ryan Felipe's name is actually Ryan Philippi. Sorry. Stacy, you better get down here right now and give me a trashy divorce. I have just the thing for you. Dude, do it. Alicia, today it is my great pleasure to take you to a magical place in time, the 1990s. Oh my, I missed so much of it. I was in my 20s. Right? (laughs) Yes. Back when we were young, the economy was fantastic. Mm. And two new stars appeared above us in the firmament by way of our movie screens. Today I have the story of the relatively short marriage of actors Reese Witherspoon and Ryan Felipe. Do it. Plus their further, occasionally trashy adventures. Really? How did such a perfect pairing of beautiful mutants go so wrong? (laughs) Well, let's get into it. So Matthew Ryan Felipe was born September 10, 1974. He's a Virgo. In in Delaware, which is a state where people live apparently, but my gosh, it's small and out of the way. (laughs) Don't even know what to say about Delaware. Delaware? Yeah, I don't know why that jumped out at me, but like... This story has made you sassy. (laughs) Delaware? Okay. All right, he signed with a talent agent like around 1990. I think he was still in high school. This gets him on to One Life to Live. Ah, soap opera star. And Ryan Felipe played the first gay teenager on a daytime soap on American television. Nice. The character Billy Douglas from 1992 to 1993. And I guess this made some waves, as it would... So after that, he heads to Los Angeles, he's got these sultry good looks, and it is just easy to see him sliding into a bunch of roles as a young man and as a teenager, perhaps, in film. Sultry? Really? Okay. Have you seen this guy? Yeah. Yeah. You didn't watch movies in the 90s, apparently. We have very different ideas of male attractiveness. Okay. Please continue. In 1997, he was cast in I Know What You Did Last Summer, alongside Sarah Michelle Gellar, Freddie Prince Jr., and Jennifer Love Hewitt. Remember when Jennifer Love Hewitt was... All of these people feel so relevant to me, but it's only because I'm out of touch. Okay. This was his breakout role. But I have to tell you, if you have not seen 1998's Playing by Heart, there is no time like the present, friends. This movie had a cast of millions, including John Stewart, Madeline Stowe, Sean Connery, Jay Moore, Ellen Burstyn, Anthony Edwards, Gillian Anderson, and Trashy Divorces alums Dennis Quaid and Angelina Jolie. Wow. They have these interesting intersecting storylines, and it's a movie I've enjoyed a lot of times over the years, so don't sleep on that. It's only from 1998. <laughs> okay. So uh, this is going to get us to Cruel Intentions. And I think that's a fairly iconic 1999 teen drama adapted from Dangerous Liaisons, but like the whatever the French original of that is. And this would reunite Ryan Felipe with Sarah Michelle Gellar and also featured his soon-to-be wife, the suddenly-in-everything young star, Reese Witherspoon. She's compelling. She is compelling. She is. She's just, you want to look at her. She's compelling. Yeah, she really does have just, like, sort of perfectly watchable features. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about, like, she doesn't age. She just hasn't aged. And she's... 
I love it that she's come out on the superior side. I don't know the details, but she's come out on the superior side of this, from what I understand. I, I would I would say so, yeah. Okay, so Laura Jean Reese Witherspoon. Laura Jean. Laura Jean. She's from a Southern family, so I imagine it was Laura Jean. I imagine she took Reese as soon as she got out of there. <laughs> Never call me that. Okay, probably wrong. <laughs> Laura Jean, you have not cleaned your room. Okay. Laura Jean Reese Witherspoon was born on March 22nd, 1976. She is an Aries on the cusp with Pisces and very reputable internet websites tell me that this is the cusp of rebirth. It is the cusp of rebirth. Where Neptune and Mars battle for control of your soul. Will it be water or war? Water or war, Reese? I'm kidding. I mean, all that you're is... You're just poking at the bear now, I aren't you? I am, okay. yeah. Because yeah, okay. it's my birthday month, so you're like, let me tussle the Leo as much as I can. It's not yet your birthday month, technically. I mean, we are, yes, there is a 30-day... Birthday day... season. She was born in New Orleans. Dad was in the military. <laughs> so baby Reese, her big brother John, mom and dad headed off to Wiesbaden, Germany for a few years, where he completed huh. his time in the Army Reserves. Because both of her parents were Southern folk... When they came back to the States, they settled down in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Mom became a professor of nursing at Vanderbilt. She's got like five degrees. Like, her parents are very smart people. So, yeah, Mom is... you are going to tell me they liked Wiener Schnitzel. (laughs) I have no knowledge of that. (laughs) All right, so Mom becomes a professor of nursing at Vandy. Go Doors! Hello, Brian. And Dad went into private practice as a... Let me just mispronounce a word. Otto laryngologist, laryngologist, head and neck surgical medicine. Fantastic. Great. That's a super smart job. Reese Witherspoon would later say of her parents, who hoped that she would become a cardiologist, quote, they're deeply confused as to why I want to do this, but they are shockingly supportive. (laughs) Those are good parents to have. They are good parents to have. Uh, She was apparently an intense and very driven child, and her parents nicknamed her Little Type A as a girl. Baby Reese got bitten by the acting bug early. When she was seven, a family friend had a floral shop that wanted to run some ads. They needed a model. So Reese gets the job. She took acting lessons right away. She really enjoyed the whole thing. Goes into acting lessons. By 11, she's competing in talent shows. By 13, she was working pretty steadily doing TV ads in the Nashville market. Her first movie role happened around this time, playing a 14-year-old country tomboy who falls for her 17-year-old neighbor. Roger Ebert reviewed the movie and her role in it very favorably. So then she's picking up plenty of like smallish TV and film roles. And toward the end of the 90s, that spectacular decade, she would break out. So in 97, she turns 21. Wow. And as a rising star, an appropriately outrageous birthday party was thrown to celebrate. In attendance was one Ryan Felipe who had not specifically been invited, but he did tag along with a friend in the hope of scoring some free booze as all great pairings begin. <laughs> it You're was... a young, struggling actor in Hollywood? Yeah, who's got free booze tonight? Yep, yep. He'd, he'd had a... He was in White Squall or something. He Like, he'd had some prominent roles at this point, but they were not yet. Cruel Intentions really set the both of them. He can probably get in the door with his sultry good looks if you're working the clipboard. Well... Oh, God. <laughs> okay, so in 1998, not like the next year, two years later, whatever, um, Reese Witherspoon remembers 
this meeting than her boyfriend, like now her boyfriend. So in an interview with Jane Magazine, uh, she says, quote, I met him at my 21st birthday party. I don't know what came over me, maybe the seven Midori Sours, but I told him, I think you're my birthday present. Well, that's a hell of a pickup line. Worked. All right, so... (laughs) (laughs) So he left um, pretty much right away. Like, they met, and then pretty much immediately he had to be in North Carolina for filming uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer. So they were... They had, like, a long-distance courtship for, I don't know, weeks to a couple months. I don't know how long it takes to do principal shooting. When production wrapped, she flew out to see him, apparently had a big panic attack about how fast everything was going. But then, boom, they road tripped back to California and were living together in Beverly Hills. (laughs) So she was trying to balance studies at Stanford University because she's no dummy and, like, Again, I mean, her parents are super accurate. Like, I think her dad was in school at Tulane when she was born. That's why they were in New Orleans. Just a very smart set of people. So she's trying to balance being a student with this, like, increasingly just, like, on-fire career, which didn't work, and she left Stanford without graduating. So I don't think that she's really regretted that choice. I don't think there's a hole in her heart where her Stanford degree was supposed to be. I think she's been okay. By December 98, she and Ryan were engaged. Reese, you're too young. And um, Mm -hmm. Pleasantville had made it into the world. Cruel Intentions was under development. And just a few months before their June 5th, 1999 wedding near Charleston, the movie Election would be released. Did you ever see Election? I saw Election, yeah. It was great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was disturbing. Yes. She was so good in it, though. She was so good, and Matthew Broderick was so good. He was he was so bad, he was good. Right. So if you have not seen this, so she stars alongside Matthew Broderick as Tracy Flick, Tracy Flick mm-hmm. an exceptionally like sociopathically intelligent and ambitious high school student obsessed with winning the student government presidency. Matthew Broderick is sort of offended by her whole thing, uh, and he attempts to take her down, you know, consistently throughout the movie and basically destroys his own life in the process while she escapes unscathed i mean it's like take notes anyway reese nailed this part like this was a career defining part and in fact no one would hire her for about a year after this because everyone assumed since she had just nailed that so hard that she she, couldn't be anything else she was in fact sociopathically ambitious and like just no one would take a chance on working with reese witherspoon Yes, this period must have been quite weird, where suddenly she couldn't get work. But also, when she and Ryan walked down the aisle, she was six months pregnant. So daughter Ava, named for Ava Gardner, was born on September 9th, also a Virgo. So maybe this sort of forced time off was actually kind of a good thing, because, you know, she wasn't trying to juggle, like, new baby and shooting schedule and all that, so... Here we are. Reese is 23 years old. She is very famous. She is newly married to the super hot rising star Ryan Felipe, and she is now a new mom. Yeah. It's a lot. When she did return to the screen, it was in the role of Elle Woods in Legally Blonde, which did huge business and landed her firmly back in the good graces both of Hollywood and the public mind. Still a good movie. I mean, like... mm -hmm. Certified classic. Seems like Reese and Ryan were also making professional choices with their marriage in mind. So Ryan went to London to film Gosford Park. Reese went to London to film The Importance of Being Earnest. And there's our Oscar Wilde. Oh, Oscar Wilde. Spiderweb. They were endlessly photographable. 
they they are both beautiful people and together they are beautiful i've read a theory that hollywood is just like like it, it's some sort of like pool of genetic mutants like some people just have genes for abject beauty and they tend to migrate to hollywood and there's just anyway they, I mean, again they're very pretty together but i they wouldn't are go that as ilk. far as sultry with Orion. <laughs> Different tastes, you and I. The family was joined by son Deacon in October of 03. And years later, Reese would tell an interviewer in the UK that she had married too young. So, so young, she said. I was ridiculously young. She would tell another, what do you do when you get to 40 and you made a decision when you were 25 to get married and have kids? I got married when I was 23. I had two kids by the time I was 27. So I don't know, you know, sometimes it's good to know yourself. By 2006, just, you know, seven years into this. I mean, this is such a relatable situation. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So by 2006, the bloom was fully off the rose. And in October, their reps released a statement to the public that said, we are saddened to announce that Reese and Ryan have decided to formally separate. They remain committed to their family. And we ask that you please respect their privacy and the safety of their children at this time. How'd that go? Let us say that there were rumors about Ryan's extracurriculars. Oh, no. Suddenly the tabloids were full of anonymous friends, lots of air-quoted quote, quote marks there, who were just discussing all of his, like, not acting like a married guy when he was out with friends, when he was out on the town, when he was traveling for work. When he, Like, Nikki Swift's website describes a bunch of cheating rumors, including an affair with a co-star that he was <sighs> apparently fairly open about. no. Um, this is a quote from Us Weekly's Katrina Zish. I, that may be how that's pronounced. She says, Ryan did not go out of his way to hide the fact that he was having a fling with his co-star, Abby Cornish. Mm. Besides the fact that they were spotted making out in a sushi restaurant together, no. she was spotted many times leaving his loft apartment. Go fish. So she continues, Reese came across pictures of Ryan and Abby together, and she immediately confronted Ryan. Yikes. He admitted having an affair. He said all the rumors were true and said, let's just end this now. The National Enquirer. Oh, no. The ultimate in trashy mags. Um, they had it slightly differently, saying that she found explicit text messages while checking in on his BlackBerry. Remember those? Oh, BlackBerry. So the Inquirer could not confirm the identity of the correspondent, but basically as soon as he split up from Reese, he went public with his relationship with Abby. They would go on to live together, splitting up in 2010. Ryan Felipe, you can slow down. I promise it is okay to be in the in-between sometimes. You can be alone and it's okay. Not if you're sultry. Not if you're sultry. Apparently this is kind of an ongoing thing He's a guy who can't him. be alone. Can't be alone. Oh no. That's how it seems. Like he just, there's no long stretch of him being single in his adult life that I can find evidence for. Reese and Ryan finalized their divorce in 2007, a process that she would later describe as, quote, very humiliating and very isolating. She would go on to say, but by the way, if it's not painful, maybe it wasn't the right decision to marry to begin with. Those are the appropriate emotions. When people get in your face and say, this will pass, you think, are they crazy? I'm never going to feel any better than I feel right this minute, and nothing's ever going to make sense again. And I'm You're totally going to laugh again. Everything's going to be okay. Honey. And I still have moments where I'm like, nothing's ever going to make sense again. I think she described her brains as scrambled eggs for a while after this breakup. Like, it was, it was a eggs tough time for her. Divorces are hard. 
Mm-hmm. They're hard. They're super hard. Yeah. So there was no prenup between the two, which is another weird choice They're that really I young. They don't guess have you make anything. when you're 23. Yeah. No, they were both movie stars when they got married. I mean, yeah, but we're young and in love. And of course, we're going to be together forever with your sultry good looks. It's true. You are my birthday present. There was no prenup, but she moved preemptively for the court to deny Ryan any spousal support. Good for her. She also wanted physical custody of the children and exclusive use of their family residence. Um, And I think she got all of that. They have joint custody. I mean, they're. it sounds like they have worked out a very productive co-parenting thing. Um, There are photographs of all of them together as a family. Like whatever bad blood there was, they seem to have worked through. They advised their own children not to marry super young. (laughs) (laughs) Reese says, I've said to my daughter, I think, you know, at 25, you start to know yourself a little bit better. In 2015, Ryan told Larry King, I think more of the problem was age. When we got together, we were so young. I think it can create issues with two people in this industry because there's so much noise that goes along with it. It's also hard not to wonder if there might not have been some professional jealousy or rivalry at play, because while Ryan Felipe has certainly been nominated for awards and has been part of productions that won, you know, big, big awards like Gosford Park and Crash in particular, Reese Witherspoon's accolades list is just amazing. She's been nominated for two Oscars, seven Golden Globes, and two BAFTAs. Wow. Aside from the Legally Blonde franchise, and number three for that is somewhere in process right now and is being co-written by none other than Mindy Kaling, who I love. I'm 100% in. Talk about sultry. Yeah. (laughs) Mindy Kaling is sultry. Uh, She also starred, uh, Reese also starred in the box office smash Sweet Home Alabama, which as two people with some Alabama background is a great movie. A baby? In a bar? In a bar? In a bar. She won an Academy Award, Golden Globe, and BAFTA in 2006, the same year that the marriage ended for good, for her portrayal of June Carter Cash in Walk the Line. I mean, who does that like Reese Witherspoon? Teachers. I'll get to that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> there were reports that at an after party following her Oscars acceptance speech, she and Ryan got into a pretty heated argument. Like, it sounds like stuff was had been petering out for quite some time when they split up that fall okay she has gone on to find love again oh good talent agent jim toth the pair married in march of 2011 she did take a few years off from relationships good for her that's when you get to know yourself Mm -hmm. yeah they married in march of 2011 and they have a son tennessee who was born in september of 2012 One trashy highlight, or lowlight, from their marriage in April of 2013, the couple were in Atlanta while she was filming The Good Lie, and apparently did some drinking one night. Police pulled over the car that Jim was driving at 3.30 in the morning on Peachtree Street. I think he was going, he was in the wrong lane, he was going the wrong direction. He was cuffed because he was being arrested for DUI. And there is a video of this. There's a dash cam video of this happening from the police car. Um, oh, no. And a seemingly tipsy Reese Witherspoon, who I guess had been hanging out of the car window, like challenging, like, are you even really a cop? Like, just... <laughs> the cop had instructed her to stay inside the vehicle, and she decides not to follow those oh, instructions. She Reese. pops up, and the video, I mean, it's... I'm sure that this is the most embarrassing incident of her life so far. So, but I don't know in this summer of protest, she's 
literally she's kind of a hero. <laughs> so the cop is like, ma'am, I need you to get back in the car. And she's like, I'm an American citizen and I can do what I want in America. And he's yeah, like, yeah, you can. He's like, no, actually you can't, ma'am. I need you to get back in the car. <laughs> then, um, then he cuffs her. And, and that is tragically when the, do you know who I am? Um, stuff happens. Anyway, do you know my name? Never say that. Or actually, if you're not a celebrity, definitely say that because it's funny. <laughs> Don't get arrested. How much has Uber changed our world? Whew. This was, I mean, this as celebrity encounters with the Lago, this was very minor, but it was also very off-brand for Reese Witherspoon. Completely. I I think she ended up having to pay court costs. It was like a disorderly conduct charge and hubby got a DUI and did the DUI things that you do and... Like, anyway, it doesn't appear like it became a pattern for them. <laughs> we will have the video on TrashyDivorces.com. Thank Atlanta you, TMZ. make you do crazy things. So earlier this year, 2020, Reese was on Jamila Jamil's I Weigh podcast. And she they talked about this incident. Because she put out a, a very fulsome apology to the cop, like, the next day. Because this poor dude, like... He's a trooper. He's got his little dumb trooper hat. He's Georgia troopers. He's going the wrong way on Peachtree. Like, the whole thing is terrible. So she apologized in a very authentic seeming way. <laughs> so Jamila Jamil asked about it. And uh, Reese said that it the entire incident was embarrassing and dumb. But you know what? Turns out I breathe air. I bleed the same way. I make dumb decisions. I make great decisions. I'm a human being. <laughs> We're all human. Mm-hmm. That's the most relatable thing about trashy divorces. We're all human. Yeah. So professionally, Reese Witherspoon is on fire right now. She raced into the streaming thing full speed. She also, she went back to television in 2016 for HBO's Big Little Lies. That show is just... Her trajectory is on the rise. Transcendent. Still. It it was so weird when I started watching. I've only seen season one, so don't don't spoil anything. But seeing her playing a grown-up, because to me, she still looks like Tracy Flick, right? Like, she just doesn't really age. Like it's hard. (laughs) (laughs) She played Mrs. What's It in Ava DuVernay's A Wrinkle in Time in 2018, which I know we have plans to watch at some point. She stars in Apple TV's The Morning Show alongside Trashy Divorces alum Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. She's also on Hulu's Little Fires Everywhere with probably actually a goddess, Carrie Washington. I'm still... For sure. Oh, yeah. I'm still wrestling with how many streaming services I want to be subscribed to at one time. But we have Hulu... And since I just finished The Mandalorian on Disney Plus, I think um, I think Little Fires Everywhere is next. Oh, so. fantastic! Mm-hmm. So the further adventures of Ryan Felipe are a little less awesome. Oh my! After he and Abby Cornish split in 2010, he had a brief relationship with actress and model Alexis Knapp that resulted in the birth of his youngest daughter, Kai. Again, not really cool with being single. Seems to cause him some problems. He had a five-year-long relationship with a woman who was at Stanford Law when they got together, and they went so far as to get engaged before breaking up. In 2015, he told Howard Stern, quote, as you get older, certain issues become more important to you. I'm very involved in civil rights issues, and so to be with a woman who could actually make an impact in the legal realm, that's a beautiful thing. That sounds great. Okay, problem. They broke up, like, December of 2016. In March of 2017... She goes to the LAPD to file a harassment complaint based on, like, increasingly aggressive and angry text messages that she'd been getting from him. I'm a law student. 
She opted not to pursue the case because I don't think she wanted to be in the spotlight. But that September of 2017, another ex-girlfriend, Elsie Hewitt, came forward with an allegation that Ryan had become violent with her in the late night hours of July 4th. Oh my. Basically, his side of the story, leaked to the press naturally, is that he didn't want to go to a party on July 3rd with this girlfriend, but he did anyway and ended up leaving with another woman. And around 2.30 in the morning, Elsie comes to his house. He says trespassed. She's like, no, not trespassing. And, you know, again, in his telling, she was drunk and angry and there was a physical altercation, but it was self-defense or he was trying to protect the woman who was in his bed. So you brought me to a party and you left the party with another girl and I come home and find her in your bed. Yeah, I don't think that's even her telling. So she says she came over to retrieve uh, some of her belongings. There, a friend of hers was with her too in both in both tellings and that he attacked her. So she ended up going to the hospital that night and she later got a restraining order oh, against him. No. And later she lodged a million dollar lawsuit against him. <sighs> That case settled in October of 2019, although Jezebel notes that, quote, before that, the actor had filed multiple motions to preclude evidence from being used against him at trial, including police records pertaining to him, the deposition of his ex-fiancee, the law student, text messages he sent after the incident, and even the testimony of his ex-wife, Reese Witherspoon. What? I don't know. The case is settled probably for less than a million dollars. Like, I I don't know. Holy cat. So that's all real bad, because that makes it sound like Reese Witherspoon testified against him, which is, she's very, she's active with Me Too and all that, so I don't know. We're going to end on a lighter, but still trashy note. Going back to, going back to old Reese, whom we love. <laughs> Reese is an accomplished entrepreneur on top of everything else. And one business she runs is a fashion label called Draper James. On April 2nd, as the entire country had gone into lockdown and teachers and students were hurriedly trying to figure out effective online teaching approaches, while parents were trying to figure out how to work from home, Draper James posted on Instagram, Dear teachers, we want to say thank you. During quarantine, we see you working harder than ever to educate our children. To show our gratitude, Draper James would like to give teachers a free dress. Oh, this all sounds very nice. There were instructions. You fill out a form. There's a deadline. Winners will be notified, etc., etc. Valid while supplies last. All of the right language was there. But, you know, I think we can all remember back to April 3rd and how absolutely intense and horrifying and terrifying everything was in that very huge feeling moment. And so a lot of those aspects kind of fell off. And so when the Today Show and Good Morning America had segments the following day about how Reese Witherspoon was giving free dresses to teachers, those caveats, those limitations, those details did not make it into the stories. This is Grace and Frankie and the vibrators. This is so bad. Teachers across America swooned. I mean, they're underpaid. They're usually disrespected. There was this brief moment where everybody loved teachers and now we're like, well, maybe it's safe to send you back to the class. Free dress from Reese Witherspoon? Fantastic. Great. A plus. The online application form crashed pretty much instantly. Oh, no. Um, They were able to get it working again. 
Draper James has like 20 employees. It's not, it's not like a big company. It's not, they don't have warehouses of stock. They had, at the time, they had like 250 dresses in stock in six styles. <laughs> like, uh, they received about a million applications for free dresses. They tried to <laughs> correct the impression that oh, they were giving anyone who asked a free dress, but the damage was really done. And even worse, in order to verify that the people who were filling out the form were actually teachers, they had them provide a picture of their school ID and their work email address. And so all of these teachers who were not getting free dresses that they had been promised from Reese no, Witherspoon spammed. spammed with oh, Draper James marketing honey. stuff. It was a brand-tarnishing event. Uh, it will be taught in marketing classes for generations to come. I do think that it was done with the best of intentions. Oh, for sure. Like, you um, can't precipitate that timing. No. No. Uh, no. Um, mm. Anyway, so teachers apparently are not super hot to trot. I'm Reese Witherspoon right now. Although, I, I again, I genuinely I, I think that they they truly wanted to just do something kind because it was a moment that demanded it. <laughs> and they botched it. <clears throat> In light of all that, I'm going to give Reese and Ryan about a million theoretical trash cans, but in practice, just a few hundred trash cans. And you can only get them if you hand over your email address for future marketing <laughs> opportunities. <laughs> so, that's... That's my story. Reese and Ryan. So many listeners have wanted that trashy divorce. Do you have any questions for me about sultry men? About what makes a man sultry? Not on air, babe. Not on air. I'm just going to tell you to go watch Cruel Intentions. The only thing I remember about that film is Counting Crows Colorblind. Mm -hmm. Well done, Stacey. Good job. Thanks. Trashy divorces for another week. That is, yeah. Yeah, look at us. Look at us. Look at us. We'll be back with you next Sunday. If you need us in the meantime, dude, there's like, ooh, I wrote it down on a little post-it note. Oh. Now, 30 episodes on the bit.ly slash trash candy quarantine link. 30 free ups out there mm -hmm. and a total of 321 wow. bonus Patreon episodes. That explains why I feel so tired all the time. If you need more trash candy in the meantime, between now and next Sunday, check us out at patreon.com slash trashy divorces. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, wash your damn hands. Yup. Wash your hands, wear your mask, and keep it trashy. Clean hands, trashy heart, y'all. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram. And definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. 
If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashy divorces. Interested in some trashy divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there, and thanks again, everybody, for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.